No, no, no. I, and I mean, I hit record, but I always do that just because if, if you say something funny, I can use in the cold open. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm, I'll use I'm going, I, I've hit record too. I'm going to clap. Friday and Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. And here's a Kickstarter for you for March. First one. We missed you last week. But here's the thing. Here's what's cool. Even though you're not sitting with me right now, you are back within Southern California. You are well, home. we're in the we're in the same time zone and uh <laughs> the same state. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, man. It went by really fast, although it seems like I was on that movie for a hundred years. It did seem like you were there forever. Someone made a comment to me at work. They're like going, hey, how can we have any new episodes? And I'm like, because um, we can't, I said, we can't do things remotely like for a regular episode. What, he's still gone? And I'm like, yes, he's still gone. Oh. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for listening to Kickstart. What do you mean? Well, if you listen to Kickstart, you know he was still gone. Right. Oh, come on. So don't complain to me about no episodes, but I've given one episode in four weeks and then that's the one you don't listen to. <laughs> you don't listen to Kickstart. Good God, man. What is wrong with you? Um, yeah, man, it went by really, it went by fast, but it see, I mean, I guess I went there the first week of November. So, you know, it's the first week of March. I mean, I was back a couple times, but still, I guess it just seems like a long time. For Unhinged, you were gone for how long? I was gone for three and a half months. And that was straight through. You didn't take any breaks. Yeah, no, no. I left uh, like the day after Memorial Day and I got back Labor Day. God, it seems so long ago. (laughs) Because it was. (laughs) Dude, right? It was like almost a year ago I left for that movie. Well, here's this thing that's funny. And I wanted wanted to say this. uh, That's why I was kind of hoping we could have recorded... um, that we could have recorded yesterday because yesterday would mark the anniversary, one year anniversary when we recorded Silver Bullet. <laughs> Dude, I was just going to say, I am staring right now at my unopened Shout Factory copy of Silver Bullet. Which you got just before you left. Right. The, the second yep. time before you went back after the holidays, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I didn't take it with me. I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't going to watch it while I was there. I, that's for sure. Um, uh, so yeah, I still have that to look forward to. I've got to rip that thing open and get into that. <laughs> then you get to rip it open like Stella's back. Yeah, or we just not rip it open and give it away to a listener. <laughs> we, we'd have One to of you lucky it, we, four. We'd have to tie it. We, yeah, we'd have to tie it to like uh, the release of the episode, which I promised you, and I failed everybody. But you need to understand something. Those of you that are listening, my back's pretty fucked up and i started physical therapy last week and it hurts to laugh uh, and you can't listen to silver bullet because it's so funny um, <laughs> is that it, why it hurts to laugh which is why i haven't watched a lot of movies <laughs> it's painful no i i find myself not sleeping well not be able to find a comfortable position in the car let's and i'm on my third rental car rental and 
and I've been making it cheaper because I've been waiting for insurance to reimburse me. What I've been doing is I've had to keep stepping back because it's been coming out of pocket waiting for them to pay me. And oh no! so I've been, I know it sounds completely cheese and everything, but, and, and so first world kind of comment, but when you have a back problem, you know how, how much those heated seats are welcome. I don't care how fucking hot it is outside. Oh, I use mine all the time, man. Yeah. Like it's even it's, if it's a hundred outside. And then, so now the, the current thing that I have, I have a 2019 Nissan Frontier. Not only do I have to plug it in, not only do I have a key I have to put in, no, no remote start. That's by the way, <laughs> you don't realize what a pain in the ass not having a remote start is until you don't have it after having it for four years. I get in, I'm driving it away from Enterprise. I'm like, does the power steering not work in this? What the fuck? And I, I'm I, I'm struggling to turn the wheel for, for the car to actually turn. I got home. I looked it up online. I looked at turn radius for Nissan Frontier. And it's like one of the worst ra- turn, radius, turn radiuses of any pickup truck in its class. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, oh, so it's just a shitty car. Okay, I got it. Of course, I got fabric seats, which means I have no heat. And it's just, I, I, I know, first world bullshit. But look, I live in a first world, so I'm allowed to complain about it. <laughs> That's funny, man. I, uh, I, I just turned in my 2019 Nissan Altima, <laughs> which I have to say was fucking loaded. Uh, yeah. The folks at Enterprise totally hooked me up because I, the two things I asked for were heated seats and uh, I, my must was I need Google CarPlay. Yes. So yeah, that's what they gave me, and it was great. It was a nice car. Um, you know, I put like six, almost 7,000 miles on it while I was there. Like it, the on the way to the airport, the uh, the service oil change light came on. Oh, man. <laughs> See, isn't it nice, though, to have a vehicle that doesn't smell like swamp water like you had for unhinged? And <laughs> Oh, yeah. God, yes. Anything you I mean, see. Yeah, I've heard that even before you had said something to me. I've talked to people that have gone to Atlanta and you know, and film there, it's like, yeah, all the cars stink there too, because some they're coming, they're coming in from Louisiana too. Oh yeah, totally. And, and they just they just stink of swamp water because of all the flooding. Yeah, man, they just they, they yeah. You, you get, if you rent a car in Louisiana, it's gonna smell. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's twenty twenty. Doesn't matter if it's twenty twenty five, and it hasn't even been built yet. It will smell. Um, it, but Enterprise thing. has been great. I've been using Enterprise. I just do it through Costco Travel, and so I'm getting a pretty good rate and. Like I said, the first one I had, I had the VW Atlas, which was okay. A little boxy, but it was easy for me to get in and out of. Dude, hot off the press. Don't mean to cut you off, but David Paul died today. What? One of the Barbarian Brothers. R.I.P., dude. What did he die from? I don't know. Did somebody shoot him thinking he was his brother? No, he's just dead. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) He's only 62. Yeah, I just, uh, I didn't, uh, I, it just came across my, it, like, I got a, uh, oh, it happened a, yesterday. a banner alert <laughs> on my FaceTime audio while we're talking. How crazy is that? Oh, man, uh, this recent picture they, of him looks like he's wearing a wig. It looks like he's wearing, yeah. wow. Weren't they always wearing a wig? I mean, I, they, I I don't even remember the Barbarian Brothers, honestly. Were they in DC Cab? Was it DC Cab? I remember those terrible Barbarian Brothers movies that they were in, but weren't they, like, uh, didn't they start out like in DC Cab or, or something? Some that, Joel Schumacher yes. opus. One hundred percent. That was the and and David Paul himself played a character, Buzzy. That was his character right. name was Buzzy. And what was his brother's name? I gotta look it up now because that's what we do. 
Buzzy and Buddy. So Peter Barbarian was Buddy. Buddy and Buzzy. Buddy and Buzzy. Good Lord. Anyway, so yeah. DC, so DC Cab, The Flamingo Kid, The Barbarians oh, right. movie, the first one of them flying solo. The Road, yeah. the Road Raiders, Think Big. Yeah, all those ones that came after, like the Flamingo Kid, I don't think I've ever seen. I do remember them in the Flamingo Kid at the beach. Wow, dude. Natural Born Killers. He, yeah, was, yeah. he was in a cut scene. Yeah, uh, this is a, scene, a deleted scene. That's maybe okay, that's why yeah. I don't. Maybe that's why I don't remember him, and also because I don't care about that movie. I, I don't care about it either. I've only seen it once uh, in the theater. Once is, once is too it, many. F- totally, man. It it made me. Uh, I remember leaving it, and I was angry, and I'd never have ever seen it again. I but but I have said subliminal messages. I no, love uh, I love the soundtrack though that Trent Reznor put together for it. Yeah, I don't even remember it. It's honestly. because it was. I'm like you. It was so much, man. You had Dr. Dre. You had L. Seven. You had such just mixed bag of music. You just don't think go together. Nine Inch Nails, of course. But that was his first foyer into like oh making music or I mean really making music, but curating music was his first step into scoring. And I thought that was kind of neat because you know say what you want about him and Atticus, you, know, you don't have to be big fans of NIN or even their score work. But would you have ever thought back in '94 that you would ever hear? Ever hear Trent Reznor scoring a movie, much less many movies? Uh, no, man. Uh, probably not. I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed it. Nope. But God, yeah, I wouldn't even have thought about uh, God until you just said Natural Born Killers. I hadn't given that movie a thought. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I like Stone, but it's that is a movie I saw once, then never saw it again. I know right. that uh, there's gonna be a bunch of people who are probably gonna be upset and ask yeah. me how I don't like it. But there, let me count the reasons. <laughs> I barely remember the reasons. I just, I remember not liking it. I remember getting a hold of Quentin's original and and being so enamored of it before um, I had ever seen the movie. And I missed the movie in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't see it until it hit Laserdisc. Um, and that was, you know, at that point I had already read it and I already knew its association with, and how it was all tied in with the Gecko Brothers for from from Dust Till Dawn, and there's I mean the whole that whole thing. It was such a better, it was more fun the way it was the way the way it was on the page before. Yeah, you know, that's something that always bothered me about about Oliver Stone. That he's such an egomaniac, and I and I heard that screening that they had that anniversary screening they had at, at I think it was at Beyond Fest, right? Just the one from last fall. I think so. And, and I, you know. It's full. It's such a he's such a polarizing individual because people either love what he has to say or despise him for what he has to say. It's just like there's no middle ground with the things that Oliver Stone does and says. And for the first um, few people that were commenting and tweeting about the the event, the Q and A afterwards, he just sounded like he was in full Oliver Stone dick mode. And I'm like, yeah. well, pass Did, on that, dude. Who somebody somebody I know went to that. Was it Lynch? I remember. I think, I mean, somebody asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, no, that's cool. And I yeah, would have it, gone to see Stone talk about it, but I would have had to sit through the movie. Right. And uh, it's a movie that literally gives me a fucking migraine. I think the only person in the entire movie that is that treats it the way it should be treated is Robert Downey Jr. I least the only one I feel like feel like that kind of get, he's the only thing I like about the movie. 
Uh, oh, here's another I, goal. Another goal. <laughs> now, I don't even scoring re- goals, man. What's this I remember. Uh, I remember maybe liking Tom Sizemore in it. Maybe. Yeah, he's okay in it. I don't, but I don't. I don't remember the movie very. I remember Rodney Dangerfield was in it, and that's kind of about it. Okay, that that I got. I got to admit, the only moment it's a long ass movie. Was at two thirty five or two forty or something? Something ridiculous. Maybe it's not that long. It just feels that long. Uh, is the whole segment where they're doing the whole sitcom Mallory's home life, and I thought that was, and it was cool seeing Rodney play a, such a despicable guy, and they're not being. You know, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield jokes surrounding it. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was, totally. That, I mean, that again, for a movie that long, to say, oh, I like that part, I like that part. Well, you know, most movies, you can usually pick out something, you know, that you thought was unique or relatively creative. But the movie as a whole, yeah, I can't watch it, dude. I don't own it. I just don't. I, I, I think I had it on Laserdisc at one point, but I think I bought it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I bought it thinking I was going to like it. So why wouldn't I buy it? Yeah. I remember anyway. it was for a long time. It sat at Target in the $5 Blu-ray uh, <laughs> section. And I used to walk past it and I was like, nope. <laughs> no. I don't, yeah, I don't even care about trying to watch it again. There's a bunch of other stuff I like more. It's right. in the same vein. So right. it's and, all and good. It, there's, there's, dude, I got hundreds of movies and believe it or not, some of those movies I've even seen before. I buy them knowing I'm going to like them. I know I'm going to like them because of their recommendations and things like that. But, you know, again, if I'm going to rewatch anything, forget about the new ones I haven't watched. But if I want to rewatch anything, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch something I enjoyed, which is yeah. what I did last night. Last night, we did two. We had a double feature last night. Um, we had uh, Melody picked out a movie. We watched Fighting with the Family. Had Stephen Merchant written and directed by. Florence Pugh is in it and she's wonderful in it because she's great in everything. And uh, that was really fun. Um, it's cool because you know, she's playing a real wrestler. She's playing Paige. And, you know, I've worked with Paige here and there ever since Fox took on um, SmackDown. So we have our own studio show too on Wednesdays called Back, WWE Backstage. And she's been on it on and off. And she's a really cool, really sweet girl. So it's cool to see this big old story about her written by one of the funniest guys on the planet. I know some of the people out there like wrestling and I, and if you don't, I get it. I understand why, but if you really sit back and think about, this is what won me over, how much production goes into it, how much effort goes into it. Not just, again, not just the production side, but the, the time in the gym and the choreography and all that stuff. Oh, there's another goal. Damn. They're killing somebody today. I don't know who they're Damn. playing. That's the third goal since I got on with you 25 minutes ago. <laughs> it is. Wow. If anyway, know, if so you hadn't only, told me, person, I would have been concerned about trains. Yes. I'm too close to the train track. We had to move. Corey, no, good I God. Think Tom, Tom's the only one that gives a shit about that. Like, oh my gosh, I can hear that horn in the background. He knows I have that thing. So, ah. Hold on. I got to check the score. I'm checking the score because what the fuck? Oh, sorry. 6 3, dude. Holy shit. So, oh, so it's not, it's not sounding when the other team scores. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, yeah. Uh, it's six three. Kings. The Kings have scored three goals in the third period, so it was an afternoon game, obviously. So it's is it like garbage time goals, like the like the Zamboni drivers playing goalie again <laughs> for the other team, and they're just kind of like letting the Kings get this shit off. Gosh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> and you say I never listened to you. Come on, I know. Here's the thing: it's rad. That team that lost to the Zamboni driver 
that's who the Kings played on Thursday, and he beat them one to nothing. And all these Kings fans were behind the, you know, behind the bench of the of the Maple Leafs, holding up signs of the Zamboni driver, <laughs> just 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 trolling the shit out of them. Like you guys lost to this. Ironically, Zamboni. Ironically, they uh, lost in a shootout. The Kings beat them in a shootout. So nice. Nice. Nothing. We allowed them no goals. So um, suck it, Toronto. That's for you, Tom. What was the other? What was the other movie in your? Uh, this one. This this is Midnight Movie Club. This is what I've been doing with Joey on. You know, so we started during his Christmas break, on and off. We Mission Impossible movies, Die Hard, um, John Wick. But last night, um, we finally got around to Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and he couldn't have loved it more. Oh my God! He scored again. <laughs> That was just absurd. <laughs> wow. It's seven to three now based on that goal. Yep, seven to three. For a team that can oh, it's an empty net goal. There you go. But they pulled their goaltender for that six to three. Okay, Tom, you know how dumb that is, right? <laughs> I guess well, you know, maybe the wild must be really desperate for points and then they need to could go for it. But the Kings are long, long out of a playoff spot. They're thinking about the draft lottery in June. They're yeah, they not, even if they won the rest of their games, the rest of the year, they're not making the playoffs. So they're not mathematically eliminated. It's just that the other teams aren't just going to lay over and die either. Our wins aren't going to be enough. Everybody else would have to lose, but it doesn't matter. I don't want them winning. I want to draft pick this team's in a rebuild. That's what we need. And that's what you should want. Everybody that's still holding on to that championship. Think about this. They won eight years ago. And six years ago, that's like lifetime when it comes to franchises and championships. So you need to rebuild. Anyway, so Scott Pilgrim, he loved it. Was and they got really mad at me and started questioning me and grilling me about, well, why didn't they make a sequel? Why didn't they make a sequel? Well, nobody saw the movie. Just right. like, just like with what was the other movie that we talked about recently, where you know. um, the, the promo department completely shit the bed on how to market it. Dude, when when Scott Pilgrim was previewed for a San Diego Comic-Con audience in 2010, that's the audience, right? You think the word of mouth that alone would have got people watching? No, just they shit the bed promoting it. And it's it sucks too because everybody that sees it that's drawn to the trailer gets exactly what you get for two hours is that. And if you're already into the idea of video games and, and comic books in that way, then you're into it. Then you're going to have a good time. And 10th anniversary of that fucking movie this year, 10 years. It's funny, man. I still have never seen it. Yeah. We, and we're and I, I, wa- I want to say it's because I don't care for Jesse Eisenberg, Michael Sano, and one of them is, I can't, which one's in it? Michael Sarah. Sarah, yeah, 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 Michael Sarah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that was kind of like, and it, not because I don't like him, it just wasn't a draw for me. And then right. by the, and then it didn't. The movie just kind of disappeared. I remember it came out, and uh, I, I liked. Uh, I had, I've been, I was, I'm a fan of Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. And then Scott Pilgrim kind of came out, and then was out for a week, <laughs> and then it was gone. I was so disappointed. I wanted to see it a second time and it was only, and it would only been out for two weeks. And then the, in the third weekend going in, I'm like, I have to drive where to see it. No, I'm not doing that. And that's the problem is like, it came out at a time. I mean, I'd go back and look, but 
you have to look at the movies that came out in 2010 around that time and like what did theaters choose to bulk up on you know they put it out at a time where they treated it like popcorn summer movie and i'm like well you didn't you didn't promote it that way you didn't put the dollars into it like like i, I think it's completely absurd how much how expensive pna budgets are I know people go, oh, that movie was $100 million. No, it wasn't. It was $300 million because because <laughs> the P&A budget has to be included too. Just because that movie grossed $150 million worldwide does not mean the movie is in the black. It's not. It's in the red if you start looking at all the money spent. Oh, yeah. Oh, if it was spent or spent properly. It's frustrating because it's, it's so good. And I kind of, in Baby Driver, he had a nice rebound with that. I mean, at World's End did okay. Here's the thing that Shaun, people don't understand this. Shaun of the Dead had no United States audience until it hit home video because it didn't even get a proper theatrical release. It had already been out a year in the UK before it even hit our shores. In fact, my first DVD of any Edgar Wright property, well, actually Spaced was my first thing, the TV show that, that the trio did together. But it was, I bought uh, a PAL version of Shaun of the Dead. And the only way I could play it was to tell my Mac that it was a PAL DVD player. <laughs> it's only a trick it. Because at the time, OPPO and all those companies that had um, PAL to NTSC and open region and DVD players, just they weren't out yet. Because that was 2004. So yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. I mean, we were, we were we were three years away from Blu-rays, but you know, five, six years into DVDs. And as far as like being DVDs, being in the mainstream and VHSs were already way out, way out the door. But yeah, I was, and again, world's end didn't do very good. Hot fuzz was their first movie that got a proper United States theatrical. And they really plugged the shit out of that. Yeah. I saw, I saw Sean and hot fuzz in theaters. I have never seen them on video. I saw them. I saw Sean oddly in, the theater in Glendale. Right. And I want to say, I think I've never seen World's End either. Yeah. And see, uh, cause we talked about it before at, at World's End is a nice little closer to the Cornetto trilogy and it's not as good as the others. And we talked about this before, you know, Shaun of the Dead, what they tried, what they tried to pull off with Shaun of the Dead, what they tried to pull off a hot fuzz and what they're trying to pull off with at World's End. Hot fuzz does a better job of paying homage to the 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 genre and movies that it's paying homage to. Look, I adore Shaun of the Dead. It's it's pretty fucking great. But as the as those three movies, you know, one's you know at, at World's End is about Doomsday movies, and Hot Fuzz is mostly about early '90s actioners, and Shaun is basically spoofing zombie movies. Of course, there's only a certain point of of zombie movies that it can be spoofing, not spoofing, but paying homage to. Because how many zombie movies before Shaun of the Dead? were there and how long it had been since one had been made. If Romero wasn't making a zombie movie, nobody was. Yeah, I don't know. There were several straight-to-video Return of the Living Dead. Are there like six of them? <laughs> and then the, yeah, the, the, the Dead Hate the Living. I, there's a bunch of them, like subgenre 90s, kind of not very good straight-to-video. Yeah. Uh, dimension but, home video type uh, zombie movies. But but once that the pin was pulled on that grenade and dropped into the crowd after Dude. Sean hit, then it was just like, remember when Netflix first started having streaming? It was yep. like 90% some zombie movies that were people shot on their, their high eights. It's like <laughs> fucking Simon Pegg opened up the Hellraiser box and all these fucking terrible zombie <laughs> movies. I, I wish he would just go, I wish somebody could shut it because I, I can't take any more zombie TV shows or anymore. Like, Damn. man, there, there's so many bad ones. They're, you know, it's it, like it not was even funny. right. 
And honestly, if there was a chance that they were ever going to go back to that well, you know, Edgar and Simon were ever going to go back to that well, I bet you every movie that they, I mean, and that's the thing is they have to take responsibility for what they created because they created it. They created this influx. I'm like, oh yeah, you can do this. And here's the thing. There's so many spoofy zombie movies out there, you know, or I should just say horror comedies or comedic zombie movies. There's moments in um, The Dead Don't Die that I thought were okay, but the movie as a whole was just too much. It's like, all right, you're too self-aware, and it wasn't very good to begin with. Is that the uh, Jarmouche one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I saw it at Overlook. I, I didn't, uh, yeah, not very good. No, I, I thought I thought Adam Driver's performance in there was the thing that made me just, uh, that every time he was, let's put it this way, he was my Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is how I felt about it. Like, anytime he wasn't on screen, I'm like, ugh. Even when, it's not bad when Bill Murray is on screen, I'm like going, oh, dude, you're boring me. Mm, Bill Murray never know. bores me. He never bores me. Even oh. when he's in shit, he doesn't bore me. Well, mm, <laughs> you, I don't listen, know. But I, I, don't, <laughs> I intentionally, I, intentionally I don't want to get took, into this. Yes. I took this, I took the eggs out of the fridge and I'm cracking them just for you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I love Bill Murray, but he's been boring in lots of shit. There it is. I I, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, I'm giving you a chance to make this omelet right now. If yeah, those... the, the Bill Murray omelet. Uh, look, yeah. man, yeah, I, I mean, I like him most. Of, that movie was just not good. I forgot Adam no, Driver. It wasn't. I forgot Adam Driver was even in it. That's how disinterested I was when I saw it. Um, yeah, weird, because it had everything I would imagine would be perfect for me to like a movie and I didn't right. like anything about it. Oh yeah. This is a movie where it peaks at it, 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 the trailer is its peak. Yeah. If you watch the 92nd trailer, it literally takes the best moments in there and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's really not very good. It's funny no. because, uh, I think after seeing that I was like, Oh yeah. What is the last Jarmish movie I like? And I think maybe it was broken flowers. I can't tell you anything he's done where I've said, I, I don't own, I don't, let's put it this way. I don't own any of his movies. I in, don't either. Including Dead Man or Down by Law. Right. I have movies on, on my shelf that I don't like, but I have them for, for, for the completion aspect of it, not for anything else. Because if the kid wants to watch it, it's there for him. You know, that's it. Anyway, he loves Scott Pilgrim. Super awesome. bummer was super bummer wasn't a sequel, and I said, "Buddy, it's the tenth anniversary. We may see uh, a boutique release, which would be wonderful. Um, I really wish that Universal would take the time and put a four K out of it, because boy, if there was a movie that took advantage of that extra dynamic range, it's that movie. And it was shot on film, thankfully, because it was two thousand nine when they made it. Didn't get released till two thousand ten because there's lots of effects in it. And that's another thing too, dude. I just saw um." You know, you get those, 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 uh, video essays on movies and everything on YouTube. And someone just did one on, on transitions, you know, film transitions. And, uh, you know, obviously a big editing guy that I am, I was, I want to check this out. And the thumbnail for it was something from Sean, oh, Sean, not from Sean, but from Pilgrim. And I'm like, wow, if you're using that as a thumbnail, that's your focus point. And of course I saw that a couple of days ago, which is why Pilgrim was in my head when we went to watch a movie last night. Uh, we watched that afterwards, and Joey goes, oh, "What's, what's that movie? What's that movie?" Mike, those are movies that you're not ready for. And I've said it before on on the podcast. I, it's not that I'm uptight about him seeing something for the content. It's just I, I don't want him to see something. He's not gonna. I don't want him to see a certain movie, 
and not be able to enjoy it because he didn't baby step to it. You know, he's cause he's, there's a whole bunch of movies in between bigger movies that I want him to see that I want him cause he's never going to be able to go. If he watches that big movie first, he's not going to like the rest. He's going to be impressed by him. He needs to build up his palate. You know, if you go to a cooking school, they're not going to let you just start making, you know, entrees. they don't let you just start eating saffron. Yes. <laughs> Cause <laughs> it will your ruin pal- your taste buds. Yes. He's still he's still at the spice table trying to figure out what his palate is. He's building up his palate still, and I'm not going to let him. It's not because there's boobies in it, because whatever. <laughs> but anyway, he let the shit out of it. We were talking before about movies that I have that I haven't watched yet. Dude, I'm staring at my color out of space that I've had for two weeks, and I haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm curious for your thoughts about color out of space. Yeah. It's just sitting there waiting for me to watch it and I keep forgetting to watch it. And unfortunately I bought the 4k it's the 4k and the blu-ray, but there's no digital with it. Otherwise there's digital. I probably would have already taken the time to watch it. I moved my PlayStation upstairs so I could do some work upstairs in the, in the studio. And since I don't, I don't want to watch it on, I have to watch on the 65. I can't watch it on the 40 upstairs. It just won't. And I need, and I need my, I just need to look good. And the TV upstairs isn't as good. I know I'm being picky. I got, uh, I tried to, I so was I going to watch? I was going to like, there were some things I was going to try to watch. Um, are you going to show Joey hard bodies anytime soon? <laughs> Is he ready for that yet? <laughs> or, uh, or spring break? You know what else was released on Blu-ray recently? Is Fraternity Vacation. Okay. And you know how much I love that movie. I do. Even yeah. with Stephen Jeffries, who yes. I, who turned into a porn star. Yes. A, gay, a porn. gay porn. Yeah, gay porn star. You have, to be, you have to be specific because... Right, because it's okay you know, to turn into a regular porn star. I mean, isn't it all well, kind of Well, you same? know, and I'm only saying it in, well, it's the, weird, in the context. Well, it's weird because he already had a career. He was in a ton of movies, and then he just gave it all up for gay porn. Or and, just and porn in general, porn, not you know, gay yeah. or and, uh, straight, and I think whatever. I, right, it's the only reason I'm making a point of the, the gay aspect of it is because he in the movies, he, he plays this quirky guy, but he's mainly a quirky character that's after girls. Yeah, totally. You know? Ha ha ha, Brewster! Yeah. <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster. Oh my gosh, dude. Seriously, the end of Fright Night is so great. Yeah, totally. Um you Tom, know- I'm giving you a shout out, Tom, because he watched Mr. Boogity a couple of nights ago. And uh he's like, dude, your boogity house looks a lot like the Fright Night House. Like, cause it is. <laughs> That's because it is the Fright Night House. It's Jerry Dandridge's house also. But don't double build those two movies together. One's no. really great and one really isn't. And, right, and and Tom's one and a half stars on Letterbox says how I feel about it. Yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna say never finished it. It's again when when it, when it was out on Disney Channel, it was it got watched in my house a lot because I have a little sister who's eight and a half years younger than me. So look at when that movie came out, how young she would have been. Yeah, it got seen a lot in our house. Yeah, it's up there with. There's a couple other movies that my friends, like my buddy, his little sister was eight years younger than us, and every time I'd go over there, Little Monsters was on. And then, I like uh, Little Monsters. That's good though. That's a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, well, hold on. Let's know. be let's be clear. Little Monsters with Howie Mandel and Fred Savage. Yeah, and then let's be what's clear, the other we're one? not. <laughs> yeah, the, no, not the other one with the child molesters. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, yes, the Howie yes. Mandel one. Uh, yes. Also, what was the other uh, 
isn't there a movie called Wizard or something with Fred yes, Savage? The yeah. Wizard, where where his little brother is like, yeah. the, he has he's like a Asperger's or something like. They don't those ever are, say that's what he has. Yeah. Those are movies. Yes, they don't ever say it, but that's what, exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of those movies. I just want you know what I want to buy. I think shout somebody just released it. Is uh, Flight of the Navigator? Oh, see, uh, real quick, hold on to Flight of the Navigator. I wanted to go back real quick, and since you mentioned Howie Mandel. With the coronavirus crap? Yeah, who, he's totally correct, dude. Who who had it right? Yeah. Howie Mandel had it right. People, fist bump. Yeah, man. Elbow bump. Don't, don't touch hands. each other. Don't rub your fucking <laughs> eyes and don't shake hands. Anyway, Fly of the Navigator. Yeah, that's another one, too, that found its home on, on cable. And Oh, yeah. Um, dude, I used to watch that and Daryl. Daryl. Data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form. Daryl. Who was Daryl's dad? Michael McKean. Yeah, that's right. It was. I yeah, couldn't man. remember who played him. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a and Daryl was came out in the window of time. I think that was one that kind of slipped my mind when we first recorded a year ago when we recorded um my science project and gotcha for that matter. That nineteen eighty four to eighty six window. And I think Daryl was eighty five, wasn't it? Probably. It sounds about right. 85 or 86. Daryl, 1985. Holy shit, dude. See? I can function. June 14th, 1985. Fuck me, man. That movie's going to be 35 years old this year. Hey, you know what, though? Maybe we'll cover it because, you know what? That makes sense. 35-year anniversary makes a lot more sense than, say, a 31st anniversary when you cover a movie like some people do. Dude, I love Daryl. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've seen it a ton. It was one of those movies. It was on all the time. That da- Like, Daryl, yeah. The Manhattan Project. Right. Flight of the Navigator. There's the movies that see, kind of found their home on HBO. That's now like, The Manhattan Project had, wasn't the older brother from? Firstborn. Firstborn, right. Yeah. Chris right. Collett. Daryl. Data analyzing robot youth life form. I think you already said that. But I if did. You didn't, I'm saying it for you anyway. That movie. I, uh, that the funny thing about that movie, it's so full of acronyms. The whole thing is full of acronyms. Totally. So he's got an acronym, and he's part of what was it Tascom? I want to say. I wish remember because I always thought it was said Tascam, but it's Tascom. Yeah, the company that that, that built him and it called was called Tascom. I never really say what Tascom is, even though you use capital letters. Right. But it just I don't know. Yeah, I love that movie a lot. I mean, just refresh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, man. Somebody, somebody the should mom, give us Colleen Mary Camp. Beth Hunt. Well, Mary and, Beth Hurt. Yeah, and, and yeah. Colleen Camp's in it. And then that Colin. guy, the guy that plays the fucking bad doctor, Joseph Summer. Right? He's like in all those eighties yep. movies. Yeah. You know, always David kind Wool's of in it. Jarrett. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like he's always like you never trust that fucking guy. Right. Because you know um, better. Right. <laughs> But like it was like I think it was the is it the next year right it was the next year short circuit came out uh yeah eighty six or is it 80, 86? No, it, I think it came out in eighty six it 86. came out in eighty six yeah but that was like again there was this weird window of time between like eighty four and eighty seven where Hollywood was obsessed with these kinds of movies oh yeah whether was Daryl or War Games in eighty three right eighty two eighty three eighty three War Games is eighty three. Yeah. So, but it's that it's that kind of thing. But it was all tied to the Cold War. Oh yeah, totally. Sometimes it was directly. Sometimes it was loose. And wasn't that kid from Daryl? Isn't he the same kid? He's in Cocoon too, right? 
also in 85. Bear, yeah, Barrett Oliver. Yeah, that's his name, yeah. Barrett Oliver. And he was in Cocoon. He was in The Secret Garden. Oh, my gosh. He was in Cocoon The Return. Yeah. Uh, oh, my. Okay, yeah. dude. This is the <laughs> last thing he was credited as doing, television or movies, was scenes from the class struggle in Beverly Hills. When was the last time you saw that movie or even talked about that movie? About the same time that I saw PCU. <laughs> it's the cast is just ridiculous, dude. Oh my gosh, it was a Paul Bartel movie. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Wow. How anyway, crazy. How's a here's a here's a here's a cast for you for scenes from the class struggle in Beverly Hills. Jacqueline Bissett. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ray Sharkey. Ray Sharkey, dude, and the Idol Maker. At some point, we have to talk, maker, we dude, have to talk about the Idol Maker. Woo, dude. Does anybody, has anybody ever put that out? Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, on Blu ray. I think it's, it is. I think it's Kino. I, I have it in my cart from Amazon. Boy, if there was a movie that nobody ever talks about but should, dude, that movie and Eddie and the Cruisers would be a great double bill, those two together. Oh, yeah. Gosh, dude. Uh, Ed Bakley Jr. Uh, Bobby Beltran's in it. Gosh, dude. Dude, Bobby Beltran, Fresno State alumni. Dude, Paul Mazursky. I, I love him. Paul Mazursky's like 10th billing as an actor. I always love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Paul. Paul's a nut. We scouted his house when I was on Video Secrecy, and it was all, everything was, and it was like probably two years after, or a year after he died, and everything yeah. was still there. Like, everything. I was, we were looking at these pictures, and I was like, did Paul Mazursky live here? And the location manager was like, looked at me like, uh, he looked at me like a ventriloquist dummy would look at you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, here's, here's some craziness, right? Talking about Paul Mazursky, direct, you know, directed movie. When was the last time? I don't think I've heard, no, I've, I must have seen this. 1996 Faithful, Paul Mazursky. <laughs> produced, God. produced by Robert De Niro. Yeah. You wonder who, who wrote this? Is, is that with him and Philip Seymour Hoffman? I'm scanning. No, I don't see his name. But, oh, you're thinking of the one where he's a priest. Yeah. No, no. no. This, is a, this one is where Cher is like, held, is like held captive by her husband and a hitman. Are you ready for this? Who wrote this? Chaz Palminteri. Oh, no. 1996, dude. That was after his uh, knockout yeah. out of the uh, breakout. You know, his breakout. Cher. Cher's the, the wife in it. Chaz Palminteri, Ryan O'Neill, dude. Ryan O'Neill and Cher are a married couple on it. No wonder Maz- nobody saw it. And Mazursky is also in it playing, uh, I think he plays, he's a doctor, but I think he's their like therapist or something like that. But uh, dude, yes. I never knew Chaz Palminteri wrote anything. Other than, is that? other than Bronx Tale? Well, I mean, that doesn't count. I <laughs> <laughs> See, I never knew how tight he was with De Niro, man. Because, I mean, because Bronx Tale isn't that, it didn't, didn't Niro direct that? Yeah, he did. Yes, yeah. sir. Okay, not a big fan of the movie, but that soundtrack, dude. That was one of those movies that when I lived in Orange County, <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it was on every day on cable. Like, it just, like, literally, my roommates would just, like, leave on HBO all day. And Bronx Tale, every time I'd come into the house, Bronx Tale was on. I don't know that I've ever seen it all the way through. Like, right. I mean... You know, in one sitting, I'm sure I've seen the whole movie. You know, I remember some stupid part where Chaz Palminteri is giving the girl the door test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she opens but, the door. Shut the. F- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I do had, it, man. Did you give her the? Him, could you give her the lemon test too? That, that's it. I was just. I had no idea he was a writer. I mean, so I mean, look at Bronx Tale, Faithful. What else did he? 
And that's it, though. It's the only thing you... Yeah, I mean, anything. I think he made his bones. It's funny because the apartment building that I lived in in Studio City, when I moved in there, their whole pitch was, you know, Chaz Palminteri wrote Bronx Tale here. And I'm like, did he? <laughs> Great. Is that... Is that is that considered a plus? I don't know, man. Uh, I guess. So, so you're telling me not to bring a black light in here is what you're saying to me? You're saying I don't want to. I, I didn't move into his apartment, but he lived in the building, apparently. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's just scary. Um, uh, um. So, now that you're back home, we and I, you and I talked about this, and I think we briefly touched on it on our last kickstart, but we got a little more serious with it, and. We've defined some things. Um, we mentioned all the movies that we're going to cover, but some of those movies are actually going to spill into April just right. because, you know, I anticipated you being back a little earlier, but that was just, that's all on me. You told me a date and I kept running it through my head. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll put out an episode then. I'm like, well, we can't put out an episode the day after you get back <laughs> if you haven't recorded it yet. Right. Not if I don't want to stay up all night editing. Uh, all those movies we mentioned before are still going to happen. They're going to spill a little bit over into, into April. April. And... As far as the silver bullet goes, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to have time for it. I think it might just be a surprise thing. There is no silver you know? bullet. No silver bullet. There is no spoon. <laughs> there is no spoon. There is no spoon. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, kid. Um, Joey was asking me, or did, did you know that Matrix 4 and, and John Wick 4 are going to come out on the same day? <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, neither studio, Lionsgate or yeah. Warner Brothers, is going to let that happen. <laughs> here's the sad thing is I so don't care about either one of them at this point. I don't care about a matrix. I tried, I spent the last 15 years trying to forget that second and third matrix movie. Yeah. And then they're going to bring out a fourth one. Yeah. I don't. And, and you know, here's the thing. This is the irony of, if you don't like, if you love the John wick movies, but didn't like the matrix sequels, blame the John wick movies for success. Blame the fact that you put money in Lionsgate till that made Wonder Brothers go, Hey, you know what? Keanu Reeves is cool again. Should we make another one of these? Yeah, man. But the last two sucked. Yeah. But they made us a lot of money. Uh, that's all they care about anymore. They don't give a shit. Yeah. If they gave a shit, if they gave a shit, you wouldn't see those from the DC universe that keep coming out. Oh, yeah. What was the last one that came out? Um, Justice League? Shazam? No, Shazam was fun. The difference was is that it wasn't, that's not really a DC. It's from a DC universe, but not really tied to that whole gotcha. Zack Snyder garbage. That's the thing. That The reason why I found I found it enjoyable anyway um, is the fact that Zack Snyder had nothing to do with it. I'm you know, scared of Wonder Woman 1984. Because here's the thing about it. It can it looks like it might be really fun, but I I feel like I've already seen Atomic Blonde and I've already seen Wonder Woman. I don't need them right. mashed together in one movie. When I you're right, when when I found out they were going to set it in 84 and I knew I'm like all right, I had a feeling cuz like when they first announced the original I'm like all right, you're going to set this in what time? Because that was always the thing about it. even even for the Linda Carter TV series, they come back next year. Make wait, it's 1940. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, and it, how is, it was uh, set in modern times, and then the, the next season they like rewound it. And were and they, they worried because they fucked up and it killed Chris Pine in the first one, and they realized that he was the best thing in the first one? And I can't uh, believe I just maybe. said that. Uh, so they had did to bring he, him back. Did his 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 bit that he did in the very beginning with the bombing? I thought that dude that was so. But there's a point in that movie though, and the point in Wonder Woman when I'm like, this is Captain America. This is Captain America. You mean the movie? Oh, I was enjoying it right up until you. I realized it was Captain America. I mean, they didn't. 
If you really think about it, though, Captain America and Wonder Woman are a lot <laughs> basically the same character between for for DC yeah, and Marvel totally. respectively. They both got a shield. Yeah, they do all that. They do all the same shit. They're like gymnasts. <laughs> right, basically. <laughs> Except for big gallery mint, though, man. Linda Carr didn't do a lot of uh, roundhouses, and and she couldn't. And, uh, her, uh, no, she couldn't. Yeah, because you couldn't she, have the camel. Toe. You couldn't have camel toe on television back then. <laughs> it wasn't allowed on CBS on Wednesday night. CBS is like going, "Hey, you're going to frame this out." <laughs> it's a no, ca- uh, it's a I, no camel toe zone. Come on, save that shit <laughs> for the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> On CBS. On CBS, right. The only show on you Friday could, night. On yeah. on Friday night also. They on, were both on Friday night. But after was it night after? Yeah, yeah. Was it, it was after years after. Yeah, it was a few years after. No, no. Dukes was always at eight o'clock. I thought, but I think, but I think Wonder Woman was already off the air at that point. Yeah, probably. They saved I, all the I, camel toe for the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta admit though, man, the one of the best parts about the Wonder Woman series is when they did those rollbacks to to the 40s and and that's when deborah winger made her first appearance right pre-officer and a gentleman and i I think the funniest part of the whole thing was watching her try to figure out how to be like diana and she tries to like do the spinning thing and it doesn't work and you see the the the, the, their cheesy effects start to work and then it doesn't work (laughs) yeah doesn't like she's not generating enough power i just thought that was oh look at deborah winger looking all cute linda carter and lyle wagner and little baby deborah winger Way back Dude. in the day, then that's. But if you think about it, the, the whole Lyle Wagner thing, they did. They did the same thing with Chris Pine in this. They did the same thing yeah. where like they brought him forward and totally. backward. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but, dude. It's fucking. If people are gonna nitpick that, it's okay. It's a movie yeah. about an Amazonian woman who lives on an island with a bunch of other women, and somehow and they somehow repro- they, somehow they, they reproduce. See how they reproduce. That's exactly what I was going. <laughs> and you know, and she flies an invisible plane. Uh huh. And doesn't she have the rope of truth or whatever it's called? Yeah, uh, the you know the 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 her golden lasso. The golden, is, uh, oh right, it called? Uh, it's called the golden lasso or the magic <laughs> the magic lasso or the rope of rope of truth is better. Yeah, lasso of truth. Yeah, r- lasso of truth. There you go. I, yeah, rope yeah. of truth. I was close. <laughs> it's a gold rope. Yeah, it man. makes people and makes people like tell them she, they, that they like to wear girls' clothes. Yeah, totally. I don't. Know. I like I like pumps. Uh, now let me go. Uh, so uh, I, d- I didn't rob that store. No, I did not rob that store. Uh, a couple of things I picked up that I got to watch uh, in the next. So I want to try to watch tonight. I'm going to try to watch the landlord. Hal Ashby's the landlord. I just picked oh yeah. That up. Uh, I watched Pulp last night. I picked that up from Arrow. The Mike Hodges, uh, Michael Caine. I think it was their first. Uh, I think it was their, f- their 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 reunion after Get Carter. I watched that last night. Michael Caine. God, Arrow, man. Arrow does some great <laughs> stuff, man. And I, lo- I love the artwork on those Arrow um, releases. Man, they really they really do that right. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, that's kind of what I'm going to get into. It's supposed to start raining here shortly. It's going to be great. I'm, not, I'm all ready for that. But uh, You know what? It's funny. We're, I was talking about, um, you said you mentioned Michael Caine, and I was talking earlier about John Wick. Dude, his movie Harry Brown. Dude. Yeah. God, that movie's so freaking good. I and like I, it. And I, I like it. I think, I, I, it, it, dude, it is John Wick. <laughs> it, it's it's just a dude that kind of like is forced to kind of do something he hasn't done in a long time. And granted, Michael Caine is much older than Keanu Reeves in, 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 a, in the context of the movie. But, oh, my gosh. And Emily Mortimer's in it. Oh, my God, that movie's so good. 
Um, if you guys, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. And Dan, that's Daniel Barber also that directed that. Yeah. And he's done, he's done a fair share of movies, but he hasn't done anything in a long time. And I, I, I think, yeah, he hasn't done anything since the keeping room. I think I saw a few minutes of that, but it wasn't quite the other movie. It was, I don't know, just Harry Brown was something if, for a couple of reasons why. If you, if you haven't seen any of Michael Caine's older movies, you're just used to him being Alfred, then you don't know how how good he is. How awesome he is. And, I mean, yes, yes, he does. The, here's the thing about Michael Caine you understand. If you if you go, yeah, but he made Jaws the Revenge. The dude, there's a period of time where that Michael Caine was doing everything. Now he wasn't doing everything the way Bruce Willis does everything. He he you didn't have to just meet his rate and he would show up. Michael Caine would do stuff because he thought, oh, that would be fun. Like, dude, he went to do Jaws Revenge. Oh yeah, yeah they shot that shit in the Bahamas. He right. got paid to go shoot in the Bahamas. Yeah, and he That's why new, he did it. Bought him a new house. Oh, look at Shock. Oh, hi. <laughs> this is Shock. I'm Hoagie, the bush pilot. What can I do for you? <laughs> All right. Yeah. His fucking name was Hoagie, dude. Look, if you His can name, play a guy named Hoagie and you can be a bush pilot. Did that shark just roar? Sharks don't roar. Whatever. Right. Give me a Mai Tai. You know who, you know who far, fares far worse in that movie than Michael Caine is Mario Van Peebles. Dude. I love how they, they well, kill dude, him. Well, and then, when yes. they, then they put the director's cut to get, or I don't know which one is the director's cut, but one version he dies and then, the, and then someone didn't like it. So they recut it and there's a, he's like floating like half, ha, he's making jokes. He's like got, he's been bitten in half and he's like, Hey everybody. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm me. Not dead. It's me. Sonny spoon. Get me the fuck out of the water. But I kind of like Mario Van Peebles. I love posse dude. <laughs> Oh no no no! Don't get me wrong. And that's, Panther, that, but that's different though. That's different because he had control over it. I like New Jack City. I like Posse. He's like going, yeah, he made. But that's the difference is that he had control over that, and he wasn't playing some farcy character like he played. Yeah, that accent that he had in Jaws. Is, oh, oh yeah, man. Well, dude, everybody was doing an accent in Jaws except for Lorraine Gary, who was just but I, doing but the nothing. Beautiful thing. But the great thing about the about Posse is the way he casts it. It's an all black cast, and then he threw, then he put Stephen Baldwin in as the token white guy. No, no, Billy Zane is. Oh, the, is it Billy Zane? Billy Zane is the bad guy, and yeah. Um, but I thought Stephen Baldwin. Was Stephen that. Baldwin is part of the part of their posse. Like that's what I meant. But I, like, I shouldn't say he was the lone white guy. I mean, he's the lone white guy in the posse. The villain of the movie is Billy Zane with an eye yeah. patch. I patch Billy. I patch Billy Zane. Score. If you'd like to see Posse, <laughs> you should. Phantom. I, dude, Posse. I would rather watch Posse than Tombstone. Dude, I'm. Oh my gosh, I'm realizing we can do a whole Billy Zane thing too. Oh yeah, man. Did the films did, wait, of Billy on. Zane, and we can't count Bad Influence because that's Lisa Zane, not Billy Zane. Right, it's the other Zane. Doesn't she get murdered in that? Uh, Shit, probably. I, I can't remember. I think Dude, so. I loved the fact that Rob Lowe made that after oh, the, the RNC sex, the thing. sex tape scandal? The RNC oh, thing. Oh, yeah. So, oh, by the way, I just heard something wonderfully funny. I read wrote something wonderfully funny on, on, on Twitter where the girl said, anytime I make a sex tape, I have I have Steamboat Willie on the, in the background. So if my, if my sex tape ever gets uploaded anywhere, Disney's going to take it down instantly. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that was so beautiful. 
I meant to, I was, I started to tell Melody that, that about that yesterday and Joey was sitting here. I'm like, oh, maybe I should wait. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, the, dude, I'm looking forward to seeing both of those two. I can't tell you the last time, gosh, the last time I saw Pulp. Oh, man. Long I, time. I hadn't seen it. I was shocked that it existed. So I, I ended up buying, I mean, I saw it and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to buy that because it's, uh, you know, I, 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 again, it, it's the roots of Guy Ritchie stem, stem from people like Mike Hodges. And, you know, it was something I'd seen, I don't know, probably 30 years ago. And right. never seen again until now. <laughs> right. Oh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell, mention a couple of things that I had coming in, and then we'll kind of like close it out. So Criterion got me again. This time, this time it was straight Criterion, and um, I picked up a handful of things, and it's all good stuff. And it seems like every time they have one of these sales, basically the ones I picked up this time were the ones I didn't pick up last time because the Godzilla box set chewed up, you know, the equivalent of five movies for me. So right. Great Dictator. I got um, an Ozu, another Ozu movie for that's Tokyo Story. I didn't have Hard Days Night. I thought I did. I did not. Now I do. I didn't own the Silence of the Lambs Criterion for some dumb reason. But here's something that bit us in the ass a couple of days ago. Fucking Kino. Yeah, those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm still recovering from the Christmas one. And believe it or not, it's like, uh, thank God they have a save cart. <laughs> like Amazon does a save wish list because I'm like, all right, let's see what, because I'm just going to go revert back to that. And, and I did, and I still found myself going through everything and I'll go and I'll go back to this again. Kino, please, for the love of God, if I have something in my save on my wish list and I pick something from the catalog, the general catalog area, just remove it from the saved area. Once I put it in my cart and I bought it, just take it out of the saved area. So I don't go, do I have that? Cause I'm, I don't want to double dip again yeah, unintentionally. No <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, man. Your The prices kick ass, but dude, come on. Anyway, so I can't even remember what I got. I remember when I picked up a couple of things from you to kind of, you know, cheap out on the on the shipping. I think we ended up got free shipping anyway. Right. But I, I remember getting a bunch of stuff. I got some more of those Frizz Freeling cartoons I didn't buy it last time. But yeah. yeah. What, I'm yeah. Oh, what I ordered boom. now. So, and because and we mentioned this last time, um, right after we did our last kickstart, I realized that, and after he mentioned Streets of Fire, that I didn't, I did not own it other than my what? laser disc. I know, right? See, that's why you're not next to me now. You can't throw shit at me. I would totally throw some shit at you, man. You're lucky. <laughs> lucky we're so, not in the same but, the, but two days later, I got my steelbook. So there you go. Dude, it's funny because everybody like bought, everyone ordered a steelbook to have yeah. Pare sign it, like Chad Harbold, our oh, producer. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. He must have signed like seven or eight, like, steel books of uh streets fire and uh man. i was like do i no I, i'm sticking i got vinyl i got the eddie the cruisers vinyl man i'm good see the, the the bummer thing about having the steel book is it's not you don't have any reversible anything and you know it's it's diane's face all over the front of it which is a rat i want to i gotta look up who the artist is because i'd love to see if they made a print of that because that'd be really cool to have i still love the original artwork i think it's oh, yeah. by far like better than any of the um you know, any of this stuff that they've done since there's some cool it, stuff, but that original poster just fucking kills it. I was super close to just getting the general release for it from shout. So I could do the reverse on it. I love the steel book. And I, I really like the, the new cover that they made for the shout select, but I'm, I'm going to guess that it's got a reversible, right? Yes, it is totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
And because that's their staple, I just I just figured as much. But sometimes the shout selects don't have it. Speaking that's of why. shout select, did you see what their hundredth release is? Is it teeth? Sliding doors. Really? Fuck off. What? What they? It's, you know they're sitting around a boardroom and like that's what they came up with. Dude, I mean, why didn't we just get view from the top with Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> Uh, look, or if you're gonna do a Gwyneth Paltrow movie, let's have duets. Come on, dude. Come on. The best Gwyneth Paltrow movie ever is Seven. Right, because she gets her head put in a box. Heads in a, in a box. What's in the box? <laughs> but see, that's how you can tolerate her for the rest of the movie, right? Because you can just go, oh, because I you I know, know where you're going. You know she's ended up in the box. <laughs> totally. You're gonna be in the box, sweetheart. So what happened Friday with my physical therapy? It went super long because. Every, there was some major traffic. You heard about that fucking crazy shit that happened on the 14, right? Yeah, totally. Dude, okay, well, a bunch of people called out to this to the um to the 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 PT place I go to. Sonia, my physical therapist, she spent extra time kind of working on my back and my neck and stuff. But um she was telling me he goes, I got a lot of free time, had cancellations, and she told me what happened. I'm like, what? And there was another uh, patient that was having her knee worked on. She goes, yeah, my husband said this dude's flying down from Antelope Valley, throwing drugs out, running across the freeway, getting hit by a car. <laughs> Just like, what? Dude, it was like out of a fucking, I, I could see from, I could see all the traffic. Uh, Reese was out in it. She's, she was on her way back uh, here. I could see all of the uh, traffic, you know, like on the 14. I could see the 14 was like stopped. And this was like at 10 uh, o'clock at night. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm so glad I didn't have to be anywhere. I was Good off Lord. that day. Dude, Los Angeles is nutty. So there we go. Um, if you uh, want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod. Or, again, that Patreon thing is patreon.com slash KITG podcast. K-I-T-G podcast. If you'd like to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter, or you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram. And go peep Freddie's uh, Twitter right now, because you can see a, a rap photo of the Till Death cast. Yeah, man, totally. And cast and crew. You know yeah, so funny? check that picture out. I am not in the picture. <laughs> I'm looking for you, Mike, going, oh, it's a day kiss. And yep. I mean, Aaron's in, I think I saw yeah, Aaron. Aaron's in there. In there. And, everybody, everybody but me. They didn't tell me they were taking the fucking photo at uh, lunch. They told everybody at lunch, and I wasn't there at lunch. And uh, I got back literally as they were all walking away from the photograph. That's crazy. Yeah, well, it's okay. Real quick before I go. Three, there's a great book that came out in the 90s called A Day in the Life of Hollywood. There's a whole bunch of books that came out in the day in the life of, this one was Hollywood, came out in 93. Every page is a photograph of something that happened on a particular day in Los Angeles, whether it was porn being shot or this television show or whatever it was. And the last photo, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. Everybody that was involved in the entire book, everybody that was a subject of every single page was in this giant, almost cast crew like photograph at the end, including the photographer where they had a mirror down below where you could see him in the mirror as he's taking the picture up above on a crane. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought it was so ingenious. Anyway, it's a great book. And it's also where I mentioned, I mentioned this book before, but I never said the title. This is the book where the, where the, the guy that was running Fox at the time 
mention that Alien 3 is what it is because they got too involved and didn't let David Fincher make his, the movie he wanted to make. Right. So there you go. There you go. He, Vindication. And you never hear a studio admitting that, but there it was. It's in print. Day in the Life of Hollywood. I'm going to make sure that that one will be in the show notes. It's out of print, but you should be able to find a used one fairly cheap. Yeah, I think I have it somewhere. Someone gave it to me as a gift like uh, so 15 good. years ago probably. All right, man. Later. Bye.